Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fable Fellas. I am one of your Fable Fellas, Riley. And I am a fairy tale told unfairly, Carter. Carter, I'm proud of us. Are you proud of us? Yes. Me too. But you go. You say why you're proud first. Because last summer, we <laughs> we did not get to a single Fable Fellas recording. Like, it just did not happen. But this that summer, is... we got four under our belts. <laughs> we had roughly eight or nine Sundays where we could have recorded and that's so that's uh we we went from zero percent potential to about 40 percent potential hey like I always tell my kids any sort of improvement is good you know that reminds me of a quote that I heard uh which I really like and I sometimes tell my kids which is um any job worth doing is worth doing poorly (laughs) (laughs) And I, that sounds like a silly thing, but when I, the, when somebody explained that, or I, you know what, I, I'll tell you what it was. It was probably some like Tumblr post, but it was inspirational. And what they meant by that was, we can often be so paralyzed by the need for perfection that we can sabotage our own origins, or just get it. We can sabotage ourselves getting started by thinking that any job doing what we- worth doing is worth doing well. It's like, no, just give it a try. You're not going to be good at something right away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if I sat down and I was like, I'm going to learn a song on the guitar, and I didn't in 10 minutes, I'd be like, oh, I hate this guitar. I'm the worst at it. Which is basically my entire career with my guitar. Yeah. Sucking at something is the first step to being good at something. This is so true. And if this you don't so try, true. then you're never going to get out of that sucky range. Yeah. Yeah. And... What is it, what I found is interesting, and you might have this too with your writers, you know, your your students who need to do writing assignments. Mm-hmm. Is I can have students who are just like whips at math, reading, comprehension, but when it comes to writing, they're like paralyzed. But they're the same kids who won't do art either, and I think it stems from the same thing where it's like they're now being asked to express something creatively and they're often not asked or they're often feel like, well, they have to do it right the first time. And it's very interesting to see like when somebody attempts like an art project and they're like, I don't even want to do this. I think it's silly. I know I'm going to I know I'm going to mess it up. And I'm like, don't even worry about that. They, they feel the same way about writing, just writing a story about themselves. They can't do it. In the business, we call this fixed mindset. What they should have is a growth mindset. Exactly. So I call them cowards. <laughs> yeah, you have the <laughs> cowards mindset. I say, it, it, they say, I don't have any ideas. And I say, that's not true. You're scared. <laughs> You're terrified to put words on the page. You can always change them. Nothing set, nothing you set down is set in stone. Are you writing with a pen? And they go, yeah, I like pen. I go, get rid of that pen. Pick up a pencil. <laughs> I break their pen in half, and I smear the ink all over my face. You know, and I shout at them. <laughs> Man, I need to take a page from the Carter Allen playbook and start calling my kids cowards more, and just frighten them into trying. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about the strategy. It hasn't worked yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they don't actually get started when yeah. I do that. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe one day it'll work. Who knows? Not. Not this day. But we have started the school year, we sure each of have. us. 
And uh, yeah, it's going. I'm having a much, uh, I'd say, easier time getting started with my students. But I think that comes from a combination of having an ex- having one year of experience in the classroom under my belt and feeling much more confident knowing the curriculum because it's just a little bit harder than fourth grade curriculum because mm-hmm. it's fifth grade curriculum. Yeah. You, it, anytime that you're doing something as a teacher and it's not your first time doing it, you're going to feel a better sense of control over your situation. Yeah. It's miles easier. So how's it going for you? Well, um, our department has changed curriculums again for oh. like the multiple years in a row. So I don't get that luxury in English nine, but in speech and debate and journalism, I'm feeling pretty confident about the direction that'll go in. So what books are you reading in English nine now? What, what's, what's on the assigned? Is it Shakespeare? Is it, uh, what do they call it? Uh, we're using this what's... online platform and it's a lot of smaller pieces of literature, like much more digestible ones. And I haven't actually oh. read everything that we're going to be doing this year. So, I will update you as I figure it out. Yeah, I think we should, um, as you go along with this, if you ever have a short, if there's ever like a short story that's meant to be like, you know, dissected and critiqued from a ninth grade English standpoint, I want to hear about, especially if you think it was like worthless and horrible. (laughs) Yeah, especially if it's funny to talk about and tear apart. (laughs) Yeah, if it's content, if every, if it's, I was trying to think of a rhyme. If it's content, Bron, brought bring it. I have a story. Thank. <laughs> I have a story today. That's good. I'm, that's good for you. I'm glad you have that. Uh, I don't have to say my words anymore because yeah. I can say the words. Um, the words that were written by Shamus McManus, another yeah. Shamus McManus original. You have content, so you brought it. <laughs> brought in the brought content. in this content. <laughs> Here we go. So, I don't know if there's relation here, but this is by Shamus McManus, and the name of the story is Manus the Miller. Hmm. So he's writing about his uncle or something. <laughs> yeah, he's dipping into the family goss for a good story. Yeah, he's like, whoa, I heard about this. You gotta get a load of this, this yarn. Alright. There was a man from the mountain named Donal. Uh-oh. Different Donald, probably. It better we'll see. It better be. <laughs> there was there was a man from the mountain named Donald, once married the daughter of a stingy old couple who lived in the lowland. He used to stay and work on his own wee patch of land all week round till it came to Saturday evening, and on Saturday evening he went to his wife's father's to spend Sunday with him. By the way, I've read ahead. Also, the father's wife lives there. Like, this is his wife's parents. And they just forget to ever mention her. <laughs> Yeah, so like, man, she's she's there too, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> that stinks. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, of course, and it and it, it does, and it always will. Like, I I guarantee you, after we're done reading this, we could just easily divvy the father's lines and the wives' lines, like just split it in half and say, okay, she gets some, you get some, and it would not affect the quality of the story at all. Like, well, don't even say that it's a couple if you're not going to even, like, make her part of the story. Like, why even do that extra step? She definitely is part of the story in this one, which makes it all the weirder that it says that he just goes to his wife's father's to spend Sunday with him. Mm. Coming and going, he always passed the mill of Manus the Miller. 
And Manus, who used to be who used to be watching him, he's used to, is what I was trying to say. Okay. Who was used to watching him passing, always noticed and thought it strange that while he jumped the mill race going going to his wife's father's on a Sunday, Saturday evening. That's a unique New York. Unique New York. Rubber baby, rubber baby baby. Watermelon kumquat. Baby baba Seashells, 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 sure. <laughs> well, that's not right. While he jumped the mill race going to his wife's father's on a Saturday evening, he had always to wade through it coming back. Do you know what a mill race is? Not a clue. I googled it. So a mill race is the small channel that is that diverts water from a mill pond towards the mill wheel that turns the wheel of the mill. Oh, okay. So it's like a very large kind of gunky pond. Right. So basically he's saying on the way to his father-in-law... He jumps over the small creek, basically. Does the, the small full channel. hurdle. Yeah, does the full hurdle, but on the way back, he just wades through it. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. Yes. So it's, there's a mystery here. There's a, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to know. <laughs> at, at last, he stopped Donald one Monday morning and asked him the meaning of it. Please, tell me. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> says Donald, says he. It's this. My old father-in-law is such a very small eater that he says grace and blesses himself when I've only got a few pieces out of my meals. So I'm always weak coming back on Monday morning. Interesting. Yeah, so apparently you can't, once once your father-in-law is done eating, you are done eating. No matter how much food is left on your plate. Mm. In-laws, am I right? Yeah, this is, this is the way it is. Manus, he thought over this to himself for a while and then says he, would you mind letting me go with you next Saturday evening? If you do, I promise you that you'll leap the mill race coming back. I'll be glad to have you, says Donal. Oh, all right. Curious. Very well and good. Yep. So he's he's invited himself along, and he says... <laughs> I mean, if his in-law are like my in-laws, he'll, they'll be totally happy for extra company, but... I'm already get the feeling that they're not because apparently they're stingy and mean and are fine with their son-in-law starving. Exactly. Which my so, in-laws would never do. Well, you'll see how they feel in just a moment here. The first year of being Morgan's partner, you had to roll me out of their house after <laughs> meals. Were they like not the type that like would would get offended if you didn't like finish everything on the plate and like be like, Jade, oh, not at you're all, all skin, not at all, you're all skin and bones. <laughs> no, but my father in law is an excellent cook, and I had no restraint, so like it would be mashed potatoes and great and a uh, meatloaf day, and I would just not be able to stop. So what's on the menu tonight? Uh, we're doing a barbecue tonight. Oh, that's right. So like, what are the, what's what's the typical barbecue fare? I don't know. Usually it's like sit down home cooked. I think this is just to take advantage of uh, the nice weather that's still lingering, even though we're in fall. But you don't know if it's going to be like pork, pork, I don't know, meat stuff, pork, chicken. (laughs) I don't know meat stuff, Carter (laughs) Allen. Is it going to be cow? I think they call that beef. (laughs) Is it going to (laughs) be, hold on, I can name another one, lamb, rack of lamb. People eat racks of lamb, I hear. Carter, this is the equivalent of someone who doesn't know anything about sports trying to talk to someone they have a crush on about sports. Like, so did, did they did they score the touchdown? Did, did they do the home run? Did they, yeah, did they, did they do... Did they get a lot of innings? <laughs> did they get a lot of innings? Do they have a lot of innings out there? <laughs> so you don't know? 
yeah. what you're gonna what what's the meat what's the meat I, I don't know. Why are you so curious? I don't know. I was trying to make conversation. You're trying to live vicariously through me? I was trying to engage in podcast banter. <laughs> but as is our way, we just, we, we just put up walls back. between each we other. Sandbag and... each other. Sometimes we're so stringent to the format of this show <laughs> that we are not allowed to... We just stop each other from going on side, side yeah. tracks. Yeah, you're right. Carter, how are you doing? What's the meat, Riley? What meat is it? <laughs> Probably just hot dogs and is burgers. It duck? <laughs> duck? I don't know. You won't tell me. It's hot dogs and burgers. Like, just hot dogs and burgers. Maybe some, like, ribs. Ah, uh, okay. So it's not like a southern barbecue sort of like, they've been all out all day on the in the smoker <laughs> jesse and i watched a barbecue showdown competition over the over the summer and so now i'm thinking about like extravagant barbecue mm. well not like uh this is more like you pull out you pull out the grill and dad fires up the grill and lays down the burgers eh yeah my father-in-law's from the netherlands my mother-in-law is from new jersey it's not a huge deal when we barbecue fair fair enough well you know what is a big deal what is is Donald getting his supper, getting enough <laughs> m- food to eat? Do you do you feel satisfied with our banter now, Carter? Yeah, I think I'm very satisfied. Thank you for asking. Okay, good. We should always check in with each other about our banter at the end of it. <laughs> we should. The old man was not too well pleased at seeing Donald bringing a fresh hand, uh... but Manus he didn't pretend to see this, but made himself he didn't pretend to see this. He didn't. He didn't pretend Hmm. so he so did he acknowledge hey you seem like you're mad i'm here or did he not so he he pretended not to see this is what it said but they just we would say the negative after the word pretend because okay but but he made himself as welcome as the flowers in may that's lovely that is nice isn't that lovely we're really rusty today aren't we and i think we're on fire (laughs) like burgers <laughs> and when supper was laid Carter, down if your Saturday, burger is on fire then you did a bad barbecue i know you don't any sense i know you don't know anything about meat but try to follow along a little bit okay you have to put it in the fire <laughs> well not near on the, the fire, fire it's near the fire near, but like really close Carter, you've the flames seen are a licking barbecue that meat, happen right? before right i'm just saying like you gotta when you cook hot dogs over a campfire, the flames are, like, getting all up over that meat. Yeah. When you wrap a raw potato in tinfoil and put it in the fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I have had barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> Not very good barbecue, if that's the metric we're going by. Well, I've had... <laughs> Before and after that, I have had tinfoil fire potatoes, <laughs> and they have never failed as... <laughs> as terribly Ugh. as that one time for the context not... of our listening audience carter and sure, i did wrong <laughs> carter and i uh, met at our uh, club back at uh, college and one time we went on a camping trip and um i don't know who was in charge of food but clearly some um steps were missed because one of our meals was just wrapping raw potatoes in tinfoil putting them in the fire to make uh baked potatoes and we definitely ran some risks with that one. A lot of raw potatoes on plates that day. What's funny about that story, too, is we went camping with a lot of people who had not camped very much before. And probably from that day forward, they 
they believe it deep in their heart that that does not work. <laughs> but it fully does work is the thing. Like we do it every camping trip I've like I've ever been on, probably 90% of them. That has been one of the nightly meals and it works perfectly every. I mean, what you also want to bring like chili sour cream cheese mm-hmm. all those things so you can put stuff on them you don't just want to eat a baked potato that sounds terrible but carter can but... i just say i'm absolutely shocked that that group of people we're talking about thought that they didn't do anything wrong with the potato i mean that's the thing it's so di- like there's two steps and they're so hard to mess up how do you get it wrong I think we just made a really bad campfire. <laughs> um, Riley, was that good banter? Are you happy with that banter? I am happy with that banter, Carter. Thank you. Great, let's go. And when supper was laid down on Saturday night, Manus gave Donald the nudge, and both of them began to tie their shoes as if they had got loose. And they tied and tied away at their shoes till the old man had eaten a couple of minutes and then said grace and finished and got up from the table, thinking they wouldn't have the ill manners to sit down after the meal was over. Um, but down to the table, my brave Manus and Donald sat and ate their hearty skinful. The whole you pl- eat your, the whole plan you eat your was skinful just, tonight. Yes, the whole plan <laughs> was to just wait until he left. That's not a plan at all. Uh, it's a brilliant plan. Okay, because here's the deal: you can't, you can't sit down da- if you sit down to a meal with your father-in-law and he finishes first. Then you have to stop eating. But if you never started the meal in the first place, then you have technically started a second, a separate meal. Oh. This is this is what I'm thinking. I think. And he was like, "No way will they eat the food." Also, like, where's what's happening? All this food. That's what I want to know. Once they like don't eat any of it, do they just put it back? This is I don't know. They didn't have a lot of preservation techniques back in the day. And they established that the in-laws I mean, are they probably stingy. Did, actually. And stingy means that they don't like spending a lot. So. Are they just wasting bucket loads of food and just pretending that they're not? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. Also, it's insane to say that, sorry, that they had no, they didn't have very many preservation techniques. Of course they did. What I meant to say was they don't have, like, fridges to put leftovers <laughs> wrapped in tin foil. It's all right. I knew what you meant. Yeah, I just didn't want all the the hundreds of emails from our million <laughs> rab- rabid followers. Um... So they ate their hearty skinful, and when the old fellow saw this, he was gruff and grumpy enough, and it was a little they could get out of him between that and bedtime. But Manus kept a lively chat going, and told good stories that passed away the night, and when bedtime came and they offered Manus a bed in the room, Manus said no, that there was no place he could sleep only one, and that was along the fireside. The old man, and the old woman, she's there, first time. Both objected to this. They said they couldn't think of allowing a stranger to sleep there, but all they could say or do wasn't any use, and Manus said that he couldn't and wouldn't sleep in any other place. And lie down there he did in spite of them all, and they all went off to their beds. I have a question. Hmm. Now, the whole impetus of Manus coming along was just to help Donald, like, actually eat a full meal for once. That mission's been accomplished. What's he still doing here? Well, you got to think that they left they they left on a Saturday, so this was ba- this is like a day's a day's walk or ride. So he's got to spend the night. Oh, but I will okay. also tell you, having having looked at read ahead a little bit, that this is not where the mischievous mischievousness of our miserly couple ends. Oh, okay. 
The old man and the old... Oh, sorry. But though Manus lay down, he was very careful not to let himself go to sleep. And when he was near about two hours lying, he heard the room door open easy, and the old woman puts her head out and listens. And Manus, he snored as if he hadn't slept for ten days and ten nights before. Which I imagine sounded like... <sighs> me, 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 me. And he's like... And whenever he goes, me, 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 his, like, night... His little, like, the ball on his little nightcap goes <laughs> yeah, up it goes, dances Ooh. around. I've got to... I've got to wonder... Has anyone in the history of the world ever snored like that? And if not, where did the animators at, I assume, Disney come up with that? Where did this come from? Where did going, me, 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 come from? The world may this never know. You all have to, ne- you all have to listen to our, um, we'll do, we're going to do a true crime podcast yeah. next, but it's just for exploring the unsolved <laughs> mysteries like this, like the honk shoe. The honk shoe And files. the me, 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 me. The honk shoe <laughs> Delving deep into the unsolved mysteries of terrible, I don't know. I can't even. Um, Riley. Yes. How was that banter? I thought it was pretty great. I thought it kind of fizzled out near the end. Yeah, I wonder whose fault. But it was was. my fault. That was my fault. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. I forgive you. Just wanted to debrief about it. When the old woman heard this, she came up the. She came on up the. Carter, this how is are you a really today? hard. It's a really hard story. I feel great. I ran this morning. I have had breakfast. The thing is, this story is written in such odd uh, prose. Like this, the, all the words are not where I expected. All the sentences make sense, but they flipped every word around. Yeah, and it's really confusing. I will say, like previous stories we've read, there have been some odd turns of phrases that very clearly like didn't stand up to like time yeah and then moving forward this one is non-stop yeah uh okay let me try again when the old woman heard this she came on up the floor and looked at him like why what come on up the floor. why would anyone write something like that she came on up the floor <laughs> come on up at that floor make you feel better oh come on up at that floor <laughs> and saw him as if he was dead asleep then she hastened to put a pot of water on the fire and began to make a pot of stirabout for herself and the old man. For this was the way, as Manus had well suspected, that they used to cheat Donal. So, the old man is not actually satisfied with the tiny bites of food he's eating. He just wants to th- make Donal think that that's all he eats, when really they get up in the middle of the night and have an actual meal. Oh, okay. Okay, so they have their actual meal in the late night, and he has -hmm. has girl dinner in the afternoon. Exactly. Did you say girl dinner? Yeah, have you not not seen that trend? Oh, like what do I eat for girl dinner? It's like a handful of granola and six blueberries. Yeah, like the TikTok that's used to like joke about very poor eating habits or meager eating Mm -hmm. habits but it's like making fun of influencers who pretend they eat nothing yeah i call this girl dinner girl dinner (laughs) like a wedge of pickle in a sparkling (laughs) water oh god that's a wow that is a terrible flavor profile (laughs) A, a pickle wedge in a sparkling water i'd rather die it's uh, sparkling water with a pickleback. <laughs> Gross. Easy goes down easy. 
So they're making stew. But just in the middle of the cooking of the pot of stirabout, doesn't Nanus roll over and pretend to waken up? Up he sits and rubs his eyes and looks about him. And he looks at the woman and at the pot on the fire. Ah, says he, is it here ye are or is it morning with ye? Don't know what that means. Well, no, says she. (laughs) It isn't morning, but we have a cow that's not well. And I had to put a mash on the fire here for her. And I'm sorry I wakened ye. Oh, no, no, says Manus, says he. You haven't wakened me at all. It's this sore ankle I have here, says he, rubbing his ankle. I have a very, very sore ankle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Something about the way he just repeats the problem with no additional lines just makes me think that, (laughs) that he's the worst pretender in the world. It's like... It's my ankle. Oh, my ankle. My ankle. Mm-hmm. My ankle. This is like when you have a coworker in the break room who's like, uh, man, I didn't sleep very well last night. And then everybody keeps talking about something else. And they're like, yep, couldn't get a wink. <laughs> like, That's not an interesting story. <laughs> mm-hmm. You didn't earn anything about this story. And then you're still talking about like whatever thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my neck just because I couldn't sleep and I <laughs> couldn't even, not even a little. And you're like, well, I got to go. <laughs> well, I have to go have literally any other conversation in the world elsewhere. <laughs> I have a very, very, very sore ankle, says he. And it troubles me sometimes at night. And no matter how sound asleep I may be, it wakens me up, and I've got to sit up till I cure it. Says he, there's nothing cures it but soot, till I rub plenty of soot out of the chimney to it. Oh, okay. He at least had a running, you know, explanation for why he had to sleep next to the chimney. He sure does. And as Manus takes hold of the tongs, he begins pulling the soot down out of the chimney from above the pot. And for every one piece that fell on the fire, there were five pieces that fell into the pot. Huh. And when Ma- mm. and when Manus thought he had the posset well enough spiced with the soot, he raised up a little of the soot from the fire and rubbed his ankle with it. Ah, now, he says he, that's all right, and I'll sleep sound and not waken again till morning. So he and just completely him. ruined their late night dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's pretty wise. I like that. Exactly. And he's oh, oh, keep bumping my mic. And he stretched himself out again and began to snore. The old woman was pretty well vexed that she had had her night's work spoiled, and she went up to the room to the old man and told him what had happened to the stirabout. He got into a rage entirely and asked her, was Manus asleep again? And said she, uh, and she said he was. Then he ordered her to go down and make an oat scouter. And there's a footnote here that says, that is a hastily baked oat cake. All right. I believe it. So of all the things that deserved a definition, it's, that's the only one in this whole story, by the way. That's right. How many footnotes <laughs> usually pop up in this book of yours? Uh, uh, on average, zero. Great. <laughs> Every now and then they explain one thing. I had, I had to Google what a mill run was because they're like, surely 1930s children still know what those are, <laughs> but they may not know what an oat scouter is. We've had to do a whole lot of extra research for these stories. And by extra research, I mean a hastily Googled prompt. Exactly. Speaking of hastily Googled prompts, I learned that the uh, earliest recorded instance of a character snoring like, me, 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 was from a 1952 episode of Popeye. What did you put into Google to find that out? 
Honk shoe. (laughs) 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 Parentheses origins. Ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer, I guess. I feel like like that that was not perfectly researched. I I feel... You need to to cross-reference your search terms. You need to get multiple results. Are you telling me that the first page of knowyourmeme.com was not a viable option? Well, know your meme is is pretty is pretty good, I'd say. They'd never actually. lie to us. Yeah. For decades, cartoons have had snoring people. Whenever they snore, they go honk choo zee 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 me 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 me. But where did this come from? Join us on honk shoe. <laughs> the honk shoe. The honk shoe flies on CBS. And then it immediately cuts to a. Uh, like a Disney writer who's like really old and he's like uh he looks haunted by the things he's seen watching people sleep is really not that interesting so <laughs> around the writers table we had to come up with a, ma- a way to make it look visually appealing we thought of a hundred different options and that's when ben hit gold i can't talk about this anymore how is that for banter <laughs> I, I was about to ask you what you thought of the banter <laughs> What we need to work on, or maybe this is just a Meagle. What we need to work on. Oh, is, Meagle's um, my favorite character from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh my god! How was that banter? banter? <laughs> no, we're bantering within the banter breakdown. <laughs> Ooh. Oh god. Okay, tell me what you thought about my Lord of the Rings joke, and then tell me what you were going to say about the quality of our banter. Well, your Lord of the Rings joke was based on the premise that Meagle rhymes with Smeagol, and that's it. Yep. So it was just it was a rhyming. <laughs> Word association. Yep. Or is Meagle... It's, is Meagle the one that first gets the ring, though? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Uh-oh. In the beginning of... It's either two... Ta- no, it's not two towers. It's the beginning of Return of the King. Um, Smeagol is fishing with a guy who I think is called Meagle. Really? Yeah, one second. Smeagol and... Is it Meagle? Smeaning and Meagle. Smeagol and Meagle. Who's the other guy? No, it's Deagle. Mm. It's Smeagol and Deagle. <laughs> I was going to say, Darn there's it. no way that my offhand joke would have hidden lore about Lord of the Rings in it. Uh, he was played by Thomas Robbins in Peter Jackson's The Return of the King. Mm. And out of the uh, record-breaking 11 Academy Awards that that movie won, uh, he did not get any of them. That's too bad. Dang shame. Isn't that sad? All right, looping back around, what were you saying about the quality of our banter? <laughs> Well, now it's 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> all, all it took was that little extra spice, my little word association game. So the old man says, make me an oat biscuit. She went down and got the oatmeal and made a good scouter and set it on the ashes and then sat by it for a short while while it would be doing. Isn't a scouter like not that good by definition? Didn't you say it was like a hastily made oat cake? A hastily baked oat <clears throat> cake. Maybe that just means it's good to just quick cooking. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know? You're done. Easy to make. You're done in five minutes. Hastily in this, yeah, nowadays does make it sound very clumsy and like, well, this this sucks. Like, we, I guess we have to make oat cakes because he ruined our stirabout. <laughs> uh, but she hadn't it many... She hadn't it many minutes on the ashes when Manus let a cry out of him. Yeah, that's not your fault at all. That's, <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> As if it was in his sleep, and up he jumps and rubs his eyes and looks about him. And when he saw her, he said, Ugh, 
Is it here ye are? And I'm glad ye are, says he, because I've great trouble on me mind that's a lying a load over me heart and wouldn't let me sleep, and I want to relieve me mind to ye, oh, says God. Manus. And then I'll sleep hearty and sound all the night after. I'll tell you the story. So he catches hold of the tongs in his two hands, and as he told the story, he would stir them about through the ashes. Says he, I want to tell you that my father, afore he died, was a very rich man and owned no end of land. He had three sons, myself and Teddy and Tom. And the three of us were three good hard workers. I always liked Teddy and Tom, but however it came out, Tom and Teddy hated me. And they never lost a chance of trying to damage me with my father and turn him against me. He set Teddy and Tom to school and gave them a grand education, but he only gave me the spade and, the, and in me fist and sent me out to the fields. This is like a long, this is a long monologue. This is like his Oscars yeah, moment. Yeah, like, I understand that he's doing it I gotta, to distract her for the next stage of his plan, but it feels like he's actually pulling on his own trauma dump to do so. I know, I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta go harder into this. This is gonna be, this is like my audition tape right here. All right. Okay. He was sent out into the fields. And when Teddy and Tom came back from school, there were two gentlemen, and used to ride their horses and hunt with their hounds. And me, they always made look after the horses and groom them and saddle them and bridle them and be there in the yard to meet them when they would come in from their riding and take charge of their horses, give them a rubbing down, and stable them for them. In my own mind, I used to think that this wasn't exactly fair or brotherly treatment, but I said nothing. For I liked both Teddy and Tom, and prouder and prouder of them every day got my father, and more and more every day he disliked me. Until at long and at last, when he came to die, he liked Teddy and Tom that much, and he liked poor Manus that little, that he drew up his will and divided his land into four parts and left it in this way. Now supposing, said Manus, says he, digging the point of the tongs into the scouter, supposing there was my father's farm. He cut it across this way, says he, drawing the tongs through the scouter in one way. <laughs> then, <laughs> then he cut it across this way. Says he, drawing the tongs through the scouter in the other direction. He's smart. And that quarter... I know, he's he's such a troll. And that quarter, says he, tossing off... uh, Tossing away a quarter of the scouter with the point of the tongs, he gave to my mother. And that quarter there, says he, tossing off another quarter into the dirt, he gave to Teddy. And this quarter here, says he, tossing the third quarter, he gave to Tom. And this last quarter says manis says he digging the point of the tongs right up into the heart of the other quarter he gave to the of horses. the scouter and lifting it up and looking at it this quarter he gave to the priest <sighs> and he pitched it as far as far from him down the floor as he could and there says he throwing down the tongs he left poor manis what he is today a beggar and an outcast. Wow. That, ma'am, is my story. And now I've relieved my mind. I'll sleep sound and well till the morning. And down he stretched himself by the fireside and begins to snore again. Interestingly enough, that was 
very compelling, and I have no notes or jokes to make about <laughs> all of that. Just, just amazing classic story. It's just a good. Sometimes, sometimes you just hit gold. Mm-hmm. The story speaks for itself. The so the old woman started up to the room, and she told the old man what had happened to the scouter. Okay, you're but, not gonna believe. But told this. the whole story first. Honey, he you won't like, be- you won't believe what he's been through. Where's my oat cake? I'm, I feel so bad for old man the <laughs> Miller. The old fellow got into a mighty rage entirely, and was for getting up and going down to have the life of Manus, for he was starving with the hunger. But she tried to soothe him as well as she could, and then he told her to go down to the kitchen and make something else on the fire for him. Yeah, third time's the charm, Excuse right? <laughs> oh, it's no use says she, a-trying to make anything on the fire, for there'll be some other ache coming on that fellow's ankle or some other trouble on his mind, and he'll be getting up in the middle of it all to tell me about it. But I'll tell you what I'll do, she says. I'll go out and I'll milk the cow and give you a good jug of sweet milk to drink, and that will take the hunger off you till morning. He told her to get up quick and do it, or she would find him dead of the hunger. This poor man. This, yeah, this poor, this poor man. I, wanna I was going to say this poor woman. Oh, well. like he can't get out of bed and figure out his yes. own stuff. I want to assume that he's like decrepitly old. <laughs> um, that way, it makes some amount of sense that he can't just go up and make his own oat cake. Yeah, but of course, instead of it's just the being, you know, a terrible husband. Exactly. Off she went as quickly as she could and took a jug off the kitchen dresser and slipped out, leaving Manus snoring loudly in the kitchen. But when Manus thought that she had had time to have the jug near filled from the cow, he slips out to the buyer. And as it was dark, he talked like the old man. Hand, says he, I'll die with the hunger if you don't hurry with that. So she filled the jug and reached it to him in the dark. And he drank it off and he gave her back the empty jug and went in and lay down. <laughs> Manus is and a this... real Bugs Bunny type, isn't he? <laughs> For real, he's... Little trickster god here. Uh, and then this is my favorite phrase of the whole story. Then she milked off another jug for herself and drank it. Hell yeah. And came slipping in and put the jug <laughs> easy on the dresser so as not to waken Manus and went up to the room. <laughs> Don't mind me, dear. I'm just gonna milk off a jug. <laughs> just gonna milk off a jug for me. Do, do you think the farmers regularly use that turn of phrase back in the day? You know what? Mm-hmm. Do you think farmers now use that phrase? Oh, this is a good question. Honey, I'll be right back. I gotta go milk off a jug and get the cows ready. Or like if they say really slick stuff like, uh, Honey, will you milk off a jug for me? And uh, while you're at it, milk one off for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's, do you think there's farmer <laughs> idioms that incorporate that? Like, partner, you're milking off a jug in the wrong dang barn. Mm. <laughs> yes, I'm a hundred percent certain. I know in my heart of hearts that they do. I know in my heart that this is true. In fact, next time you meet a farmer, just go for it, just so it look, you know, just to get a, get in on the in with him on 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 the up and up to let him know that you're also a farmer at heart. Just start throwing that phrase in everywhere. <laughs> and then I'll be politely yeah, well, asked to leave. It was a long drive, but I milked off a few miles in the morning, and 
uh, when I got to McDonald's, I milked off a few fries and... <laughs> Son, I'm gonna need to ask you to leave. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm back, I'm, I'm here with you in God's country, <laughs> doing the hard labor of the working man, the simple man. <laughs> Reminds me of, like, in Zoolander, when... <laughs> Zoolander's got all those, like, perfectly ca- carved muscles, but he can't swing, like, a pickaxe to save his life. Yeah. He works for, like, 15 minutes, and he's like, I got the black lung, <laughs> So good. Uh, that movie is incredible. Truly. Underrated movie. Actually, I don't even think it's that underrated. I think people really like yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's perfectly rated. When she came, uh, when she came up, the old fellow was raging there. Says he... You might have milked all the cows in the country, sensing me dead with hunger here waiting on it. Give me my jug of milk. And what do you mean? Says she. What does yourself mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What does yourself mean? <laughs> what? Do- <laughs> what? <laughs> such a normal way to talk but what does yourself mean sounds so weird it gets better straight after this too oh can't wait and what do you mean says she what does yourself mean you old blatherskite mm. <laughs> this is the old man you can't call your wife that you can't I would never you just can't neither would I full stop Good banter. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you come out to the buyer and ask me for the jug of milk there? And didn't I give it to you? And didn't you drink at all? Be this and be that, says he. But this is a nice how do you do. It's that scoundrel, says he. (laughs) Be this and be that. This This guy rocks. (laughs) It's that scoundrel in the kitchen that's tricked you again. And be this and be that. I'm going down there to have his life. And when she heard how she had been tricked, she was not a bit sorry to let him go and have Manus's life. All right. But Manus had been listening. Go- kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, kill daddy. that man for eating kill our Kill him, food. daddy. <laughs> but Manus had been listening with his ear to the keyhole to hear what was going on. And when he heard this, and while the man was preparing to go down and take his life... Doing, like, jumping jacks and a lot of lunges. Just really limbering up for the brawl. <laughs> all his all his stretches. <laughs> um, Eating a big can of spinach. Yeah. Content warning. Read the description. Uh, it will be in the description here. Uh-oh. Won't tell you what it is and get to spoil things if you don't care. While the man was preparing to go down and take his life, Manus hauled in a calf. And put it by the fireside where he had been lying, oh, and threw no. the cover over oh, it. Oh no! And when the man came down with the sledgehammer, oh no! He went to the place where he knew Manus had been lying, and he struck with all his might, and he drove the hammer through the calf's skull, and the calf only gave one moo and died. Well, that sucks. And then the old fellow went back to his bed content, and the miller went out and off home again. When the old fellow and his woman got up in the morning and early to go and bury the miller, they found the trick he had played on them, and they were in a pretty rage. Interesting that oh, they the... didn't notice the trick um, when when Manus said moo on his deathbed. 
Man is said moo, and they'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that's what you moo, say when yeah. you die. I'm moo t- like a cow. You think this you is my first rodeo? I think this is the first time I've killed someone in my own home? Maybe all the movies have it wrong. I mean, I've never hit someone with a sledgehammer in real life. You mean all the movies? <laughs> People don't die like that in the movies. <laughs> I think that banter is pretty good, if I do say so myself. Good banter. Good banter. <laughs> the breakfast was made this morning, and Donald and all of them sat down. I can tell you the old fellow was in no hurry saying grace, because he was so hungry. Yeah. And Donald, he got his hearty fill for once in his life anyhow, and so did he at night. And when Donald was going back home on Monday morning, he leapt the mill race, and Manus came out and gave him a cheer. Yeah! Good job, Donald! Good, you did it! Woo! Woo! Yeah! yeah! Woo! Woo! Yeah! I wish I wish any of my neighbors were that invested in what's going on in my day to day. Mm-hmm. No one ever cheers for me when I leap the mill race or whatever the equivalent of that in real life is for me. I think that would basically be just hopping off the sidewalk. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Good banter. <laughs> We, we should get a soundboard for the podcast, and every time we feel pretty solidly about one of our just diverting off course, we just press the button and it says, good banter. Is it too early in our <laughs> careers to um, have our first t-shirt? <laughs> good. good banter. Because good banter, in all caps, with, but with like a period and not an exclamation mark. <laughs> so solid i'm just gonna make that up for us and that'll be your christmas present oh thank god i mean with 25 episodes under our belts we've got a lot of pretty good shirt options nothing is better than like this. it's it's body you'll taste without herbs from the mr miyaki episode <laughs> that one that one is good yeah. too maybe just one that says ooh. <laughs> It just says, ooh, but like, and it's over a very faded version of whatever I had said. <laughs> you can't quite tell. <clears throat> uh, um, Gotta start a merch shop here. Maybe we should tell people about our podcast first. I, I try! <laughs> I try so hard. <laughs> he gave him a cheer. Nice job. Yeah. And took Manus's both hands and he shook them right hearty. And every Monday morning after, for the three years that the old fellow lived, Manus always saw Donald leap the mill race as easy as a sparrow might hop over a rod. At the end of the three years, the old fellow died, and Donald went to live on the farm altogether, and there was no friend ever came to see him that was more heartily welcomed than Manus the Miller. The end. Yay. Yay. I like the part where the old man died in three years. (laughs) Yeah, that's like a... And then, <laughs> three years later, that stingy old man died. Three years after that night where he was just berated by a Bugs Bunny type, he died. Isn't that great? Aren't you happy? <laughs> you imagine, like, a um, like a title card at the end of, like, a Looney Tunes episode, and it's like, three years later, Elmer Fudd died of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs Bunny went on to marry <laughs> and had a whole castle of, uh, what, do you, what do you call Baby Bunny? Do, they, um, do Baby Bunnies have Baby Bunny names? Yeah, like Todd and Rufus. 
Good banter. What is a baby bunny? <laughs> Called oh a kit. Oh, or a kitten. that's nice. Oh, yeah. Bugs Bunny went on to have many kits. Oh, do you know that? Do you know that a rabbit needs eight point four hours of sleep? Parentheses adult comma in captivity. <laughs> what the heck, Google? <laughs> that's awfully specific, Google. Why is that the first thing you tell me about them? That's what I want to know. Anyway, the rabbits can keep track of their own sleep schedule. <clears throat> this is about Manus the Miller. Manus the Miller's story is, I thought, pretty incredible. Yeah, it was definitely full of jokes and gags, and I definitely appreciated it. Like, the, that was one of the more fun in an unironic sense stories that we have read on the podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing about these stories is they always have, yeah, they have that air of ridiculousness to them, and then pretty frequently they end up, like, k- killing a baby cow at the end. Yeah. Just, and just going, like, yeah, and that also. And you're like, okay. I know I have, like, <laughs> I've got a little sensitive city boy constitution, <laughs> but... W- <laughs> Our 21st century seems- proclivities. <laughs> Like, it's, it just seems so unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, the, he had to find some way to fake his death that night. It just makes me think of it like little, uh, like children being told stories like this, going like, "So if any, if, if you ever think anyone's trying to kill you, and you there's a calf nearby, here's a quick way. Here's a little life hack for you. Put a calf under your blanket, then the calf gets killed by the angry lunatic. <laughs> One neat trick. Lunatics hate it. Lunatics hate this trick. (laughs) And like that, even though that whole part where he's talking about, where Manus is talking about his life story is very much meant to just be the way that he destroys the oat cake. That was pretty compelling. Yeah, that that one is really fun because it's like it has everything that a good story should have. It's got like you're it, uh, it has a little twist at the end where he's like, okay, he cut the oat cake into four pieces, but there's only three people. So, like, there are four people, including Manus, so is what's happening? Ah, the priest! Oh, no! <laughs> and also, if that story has any nuggets of truth to it, it explains why Manus got so involved with Donald's plight, because he wants people to be taken care of in a way that he was not as a child. Oh, that's so true. It's like if he... Yeah, because one way to read it is like he's just lying to destroy an oatcake because he's a spiteful person. Or the other way to read it is like, yeah, that is his origin story. And he does hate the idea that they ha- that this couple has enough, but they won't feed Donald, you know, a ge- like a generous amount or to, to their means. Yeah, this person who is part of their family is being neglected just like he was. And so he exactly. feels a sort of obligation to help him. He is a hero. He is a hero. He's basically he's like the Dark Knight. Yeah, just like the Dark Knight. He, I like that scene where he dropped through a skylight and punched that calf in the back of the head. <laughs> I'm th- okay. So when my father died, <laughs> he gave my life to the priest. His father gave the bad piece to the priest. <laughs> he made me the man I am. <laughs> It's interesting because this is very much like a just shenanigans style story. And thinking about how we normally ask ourselves, should these stories stand the test of time? It 
kind of did because for years, the number one source of entertainment was Looney Tunes, which is very much designed in the same way, where in rules of threes, sometimes more, some jerk character tries to get one up on someone who's way smarter than them, and they get their comeuppance in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic tale of foiling somebody who is committing some sort of cardinal sin, in this case, greed. Mm-hmm. And here comes a little trickster to be like, not so fast. The cardinal sins of greed, wrath, gluttony, killing Doabit. <laughs> Saying it's duck season when in fact it's wabbit season. <laughs> do you have a book to recommend? I sure do. This episode, I'm recommending Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. So she is a Mexican-Canadian author who has written a lot of really interesting and fascinating horror novels. And this one takes place in Mexico City in the 90s. It follows these two characters who are best friends, one of which is a sound editor for movies who is kind of finding herself caught in a stagnant rut. And the other was a telenovela star who also has found himself kind of going on the downhill because he was involved in a scandal where his ex-girlfriend died. And they both meet a director that they loved when they were little. And they learn about his final unfinished movie that he was working on with an occultist. And basically they agree to help him try to finish the movie and as they, like, actually finish the movie, it has some, like, disastrous results. And I haven't even gotten to the disastrous results yet. I'm still in the, kind of the build-up. But it's very enticing. Clearly, she knows a lot about kind of the movie culture of Mexico during this time. Both the characters are really interesting people that I'm enjoying kind of getting to know throughout the story. I'm really liking it. Nice. I think I've read one thing by uh, Silvio Moreno Garcia, um, and sh- but she seems like she's just cranking out stories too. She's like a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. She also wrote Mexican Gothic, and while I have not read that one, I do know that it is extremely popular among some of my other friends. Uh, well, I have read it as well, actually. Oh, um, there we go. And I, I thought it was pretty good. It's got um, it's a nice. Uh, trapped in a house, trapped in a mansion type of feel where you're not sure who you can trust and you're not sure what's going on. Little Lovecraftian in there. Or sorry, Big Spooky. (laughs) Big Spooky. Have we ever explained that? I... On the podcast? Probably not, right? I don't Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Please elaborate. I think... Oh, maybe this was a... Maybe this was a joke we... Me and Gavin made up. But it was essentially like... To to essentially disconnect the Lovecraft's name from cosmic horror, whenever we want to call something Lovecraftian, we would just say it's Big Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like that. Just to say it's cosmic, not like it's very scary. It's just, it's just it, this one deals with the Big Spooky. Okay, so what's the difference between cosmic horror and Big Spooky? Nothing. Nothing at all? Cosmic horror just sounds really pretentious. Does it? I think a little bit. It's like, whoa, I'm the most... I mean, it's horror on... I'm the biggest horror. <laughs> it's a horror on a cosmic, unknowable scale. What else are you supposed to call it? Oh, Big yeah, Spooky. It's big Spooky. It's got, it's, so it's got some of the Big Spooky. It's, yep. Good, bad turn. <laughs> well, if you loved our show... <laughs> and why, and why wouldn't, wouldn't you? you? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, go, feel free to... Um, we don't have a shop, but if you want to email me and 
get, get, a, get a t-shirt that says big spook or not big spook or good it. banter it says good banter on it in huge block letters uh, <laughs> this is such a good idea yeah um, if you want to hear more good ideas that these two chuckleheads come up with you can find our podcast on spotify google podcast and apple podcast Oh, actually, yeah, it's even better. What we sh- what I should say is, if you want that T-shirt, tell everyone you know to listen to this show so that we have an actual we have justification. Yeah, so we have a market opening up a merch shop. The Fable Fellas merch then you shop. Two, Only you can you make it a reality. Can, <laughs> you could also have a shirt that where anyone who looks at it will think you are dryly critiquing them and everyone <laughs> around you. Uh. <laughs> But in, t- and in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, I've been sorry. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're the host. Uh, of that's this right. One. In the meantime, sorry, I'm Riley. I'm Carter. And this has been the Fable Fellas. Keep it viddy, everybody. Keep it viddy. Good banter.